you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. Because it's good to be well endowed. All you wonderful listeners out there know that this show features stories about the many organizations and individuals that provide programming, resources, and support to help Edmonton's community. Whether through the arts, combating social injustice, caring for animals and the environment, and more. You're all doing a lot of hard work out there, and that work is more important than ever. With the continuing pandemic, our charitable sector is struggling to find resources to continue their support of our community. And so we here at Edmonton Community Foundation saw an opportunity to help. We created the COVID-19 Rapid Response Fund. By we, we mean the whole team at ECF, not just Andrew and I specifically. This initiative was made possible by our amazing donors, our grants, finance, and donor services teams, our incredible board of directors, and of course, our CEO, Martin Garber-Conrad. The positive impact that COVID-19 Rapid Response Fund is having on our community is growing daily. We're recording this on April 30th, and as of today, ECF has provided $843,150 to 34 charities in the greater Edmonton area. I sat down with Martin Garber-Conrad, our CEO, to find out how the Rapid Response Fund has been impacting the community so far. Throughout the interview, you'll also hear voices from some of the organizations that are using these funds to support some of Edmonton's most vulnerable. Joining me via Zoom is ECF CEO Martin Garber-Conrad. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you, Andrew. So for those listeners who might not be familiar with ECF, can you tell us about what the foundation is and the role that it plays in the community? Well, the short answer is that ECF works with donors to find creative solutions to community needs. Our primary line of business is establishing endowment funds with donors to support charities or causes that are important to them. The endowment model allows us to provide community support in perpetuity, a very long time. We've been doing this for about 30 years now, and as of the end of last year, we've granted more than $270 million to hundreds of charities, most of them in Edmonton and area and we still have quite a bit of funds left for the future. So ECF has helped various communities through difficult times in the past, uh, including during times like the Fort McMurray wildfires back in 2016. And now we're all facing a global pandemic, and we'd like to know what ECF is doing to help Edmontonians as the COVID-19 pandemic unfolds. Well, the good news, Andrew, is that there are a lot of excellent charities and nonprofit organizations working on the front lines to help people dealing with the effects of COVID-19. We have longstanding relationships with dozens of these organizations across multiple sectors. So we're set up already to play a supporting role to help with two things particularly. The first is that we can support these charities in their work to deliver immediate services particularly to people in need. However, we also know that the charitable sector will face many long-term challenges as a result of the pandemic. So we're beginning to think about how we can respond 
promptly and generously to immediate needs, but also begin the slow and steady work of figuring out what to do as the community moves into the recovery and rebuilding phase. One of the uh, particular ways that we've set up to address both these issues is we seeded a COVID-19 rapid response fund, which we call the RRF for short. And we seeded that with half a million dollars of our discretionary granting. Since that time, the fund has grown to a bit over a million dollars. Some of our donor advised funds have allocated their granting amounts for this year to that effort and a number of donors have added additional amounts so that uh, we're, we're able to respond to quite a lot, particularly in this immediate phase. Here's Amanda Thorpe from the YMCA of Northern Alberta explaining what funding from the RRF is enabling the organization to do. So my name is Amanda Thorpe and I'm the General Manager of Community and Housing Initiatives with the YMCA of Northern Alberta. So the dollars that we've received are supporting two different populations that we work with. One is vulnerable youth and the other one is vulnerable individuals and families. As a result of the COVID, our team has had to shift quite quickly with how we deliver our programs while still trying to maintain consistent support to the youth and families that we serve. So with the vulnerable youth, the dollars have been applied to build capacity within our program to specifically address the issues of mental health in our vulnerable youth. In our programming for vulnerable individuals and families, um, the dollars are supporting our collective kitchen program, providing knowledge and skills necessary to address food sustainability. And it's offered in a group setting in order for us to create new social connections so the dollars that we've received are being used to offer one-to-one -one support to our current collective kitchen participants over the phone and via video chat. And then we're also introducing um, a virtual kitchen, but our ability to continue to serve these participants is quite critical um, so that they're able to maintain food security for themselves and their families, their dignity, and reduce social isolation during this time. I think based on the feedback and things like that we're getting um, from our participants, they're letting us know that they feel cared about, that they have a connection to the world um, because a lot of them um, are on their own or, you know, in their house. Some of them are in environments where the family situation isn't necessarily healthy. I think for some of them, based on what we've heard, it's, it's giving them hope. Really, really, it's about connection. Could you tell us about a, another one or two of the grants that we, we've given out through the fund that uh, have been particularly interesting to you? Well, I think uh, one of the early ones was from uh, Edmonton Meals on Wheels, an organization that we've done some work in the past. Uh, we knew they were very good at, uh, at cooking and uh, delivering meals to people, but it turned out that uh, in order to meet the kind of... Uh, sanitation and, and food handling requirements now, uh, the, the only thing they really needed was a particular machine that could wrap whole dinners in a sanitary way so that they could be safely delivered by volunteers out to people in the community who needed them. So we 
contributed to the purchasing of some fancy food handling machine. They already had the capacity to do more cooking and preparation, but this was the missing piece. And that's often what we look for is organizations that have figured out almost everything they need to do to make this work, and then we can supply the missing piece. Here's Terry to tell us about how that fancy new machine is helping their clients. Hi, I'm I'm Terry Howe. I'm the food and production manager at Meals on Wheels uh, here in Edmonton. We've definitely seen business increase. We've seen our frozen meals increase to the tune of about seven or 800 meals per week. Those individuals that can still kind of cook for themselves, we've seen our grocery orders go up. We've seen those um, pretty much double, almost triple. Uh, we've also picked up um, some, some of the seniors' uh, residences where we're delivering meals to them on a daily basis. One of the biggest changes that we've been able to do with the assistance uh, from ECF is we use a sealing machine that seals the trays that hold the food. The company that we had been using before was based out of the United States. We've been able to purchase a machine in Canada, manufactured in Canada. That company has a warehouse in Alberta, which uh, we're able to draw our supplies from. So we, we can have a much smaller supply and draw on it quite quite frequently from Calgary. Additionally, the machines that we purchased are allowing us more options in some of the meals that we are able to serve. Why I say that is as a professional chef, uh, Red Seal, I take a lot of pride in what the food looks like. Just because it's Meals on Wheels to me doesn't mean that the food can just be plopped in a, in a container and sent to the clients. It's important the way it looks so that the food looks appetizing as well as being nutritious and tasty. The third option that it allows us is that we've never been able to do this before, but we can do family-sized meals. So we could do, say, a family of four, one meal. So if it was uh, Salisbury steak, they would get the Salisbury steak, the gravy, the mashed potatoes, and the vegetables all in one tray that they can heat in the oven or they can heat in the microwave um, and feed the entire family rather than buying four individual meals at a higher cost. So basically, it's given us more options that we, we didn't have before. It's giving us um, that technical support that we uh, didn't have before and a lot easier to get the supplies that we need um, to go with these, uh, with these machines than, than we did previously ordering from the United States. There, there have been a lot of requests around food and food security. We've funded the YMCA to try to move their community kitchen online. We've funded some things for the food bank to increase their capacity. And we're, we're looking at more along those lines. We've also uh, provided a number of technology-related grants to in increase the capacity of organizations to be able to either work remotely or respond to their clients online. Uh, a couple of the early ones, uh, one went to the Art Gallery of Alberta, Another one went to the brain care centers. So that, that range of agencies who, who needed some upgrades on technology to enable them to, uh, to do what they need to do in this, new, in this new world. Now, tech doesn't sound very exciting, but it's kind of a big deal. Catherine Croston told us how the boost in tech helped the team at the Art Gallery of Alberta. I'm Catherine Croston, and I'm the Executive Director and Chief Curator at the Art Gallery of Alberta. So the Art Gallery of Alberta is actually the oldest cultural institution in the province of Alberta. We were founded in 1924, so we're coming up to our 100th anniversary in 2024. 
Uh, we run a whole series of exhibitions that feature both Canadian and international art. We also run a full education program for schools, and we also do all sorts of public programmings uh, focused around kind of invigorating art for people. So that could be artist talks or lectures or symposiums. And right now, in the time of our COVID-19 closure, most of our education uh, and programming staff have shifted all of their focus to developing online content. Uh, so we're doing virtual tours. Today, we had our first live stream uh, conversation uh, with one of our curators, and we'll be doing that on a biweekly basis. So we have a whole lot of uh, new activities that are happening uh, kind of in the virtual realm. You know, the Art Gallery was built, this new building that we, we love and are living in was built in 2000. And a lot of our IT infrastructure was put in place uh, 2009, 2010. And unfortunately, we've been so focused on creating exhibitions and programmings that we haven't kept up to date with a lot of the IT infrastructure that we needed to. So when all of a sudden, you know, 80% of our staff have to work remotely from home, we didn't have the IT environment to make that possible for people. We didn't have laptop computers. We have outdated software. We didn't have a lot of bandwidth. And so the support that we received from the Community Foundation allowed us not only to give everybody the tools they needed just to do the kind of operational side of their jobs at home, but also to kind of shift our production into some things that we could share online in in different ways than we had before. And I think what's interesting for us, it also has a lot of sustainability and longevity to it because now we have those tools to continue to do that even when we are able to open again. So now we're actually a much kind of stronger organization, not just through this crisis period, but I think that, that the contribution that the Community Foundation has made is going to be something that benefits the gallery for years to come. Another area that, that has required assistance is mental health related supports. And so one of our largest grants went to the Mental Health Foundation to help fund an expansion of the Text for Hope program where people can receive digital, positive, helpful messages every day to support their mental health. But even more concretely, uh, the St. Albert Stop Abuse in Families Society has received help for them to expand their mental health supports. So those those are just some of them. We get probably a half a dozen additional requests each day, and uh, we're looking at them all very carefully and eager to get uh, get funds out to help. So everything from uh, small frontline organizations who who are delivering meals to low-income and at-risk families in their immediate neighborhood to larger organizations that are working on a citywide uh, level. So as you can hear, not only are people relying heavily on organizations like the YMCA, but organizations have needed to quickly find resources and adapt their delivery in order to continue providing their services. The ability to provide funds quickly is key, so ECF adapted too, creating a non-endowed fund to help get the money out fast. So our normal way is to set up endowment funds where the capital is invested and we make grants from the proceeds. But because this was such a serious crisis and because the need is so immediate, we didn't want to wait for the proceeds of an endowment. So we set aside a small portion of our granting funds to be used immediately. So these funds are not invested in perpetuity, but the rapid response fund is entirely for now and now includes both now now but also 
a, a bit later on now. That, that old expression of saving for a rainy day, we do that with everything else we do, but for this, it's already raining. And uh, we wanna use this as, I don't know, a bit of an umbrella to try to help shield our community from some of the more serious aspects of the pandemic. So over the next few months, my strategy is for us to uh, spend the entire amount of the fund if that's needed. And in the fall, we'll plan on additional ways that we can help as, as the community moves toward recovery and rebuilding. Right. So if we seeded the fund with $500,000, um, that could be spent pretty quickly. But the community has also stepped up to support this fund as well. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those partnerships? The, the first partnership is, is with our, our current donors who already have donor advised funds with us. Dozens of those donors have allocated several hundred thousand dollars that they would be granting anyway this year. They've allocated that specifically to the Rapid Response Fund so that we can use that to respond to immediate needs. Uh, several of our donors have also made new contributions to us, specifically to the fund. We haven't really been fundraising for the fund, but we did make it known to our group of friends, and many of them have responded. We've also received some uh, corporate donations, and, and the first one, and I think still the largest, is from EPCOR, a uh, local or at least Edmonton-based corporation that has a long history of supporting charities in Edmonton. And so they made substantial grants both to us and to the United Way's Rapid Response Fund on the order of $150,000 each. So that really helps give us the capacity to respond to the increasing number of requests that are that are coming in. We, we expect a bit more from some other Edmonton-based corporations, but throughout it all, we've we've been encouraging people to support the United Way Fund as well. I understand their fund is working well, and we often collaborate with them on funding larger requests jointly, uh, not only with them, but uh, we've been doing that with other funders in Edmonton and around the province, so that we can respond in an organized and reasonable and efficient way uh, so that we're not all trying to do the same things, but we can uh, we can do some larger things together. Do we have any sense of what some of those larger things might be? Well, I think the, the most substantial thing we've done so far is uh, because of, of work that we already do together with the United Way, and that's uh, through the program All In For Youth. Uh, we work intensively with inner city schools and their students and families in five schools and then uh, less intensively with 10 or 15 more. And what we quickly discovered uh, after the lockdown was that many families do not have laptops or even internet connections. So we saw that as our first priority because we've been working with these families. They're all in high need communities. So we got together with the United Way and another private funder and put together money for a 
significant purchase. I think the United Way purchased over 400 laptops, as well as uh, a distribution system to these families. And I think we've got almost everybody now with internet connection as well. So it, it doesn't solve all the problems everywhere in the world, but it did allow us to respond with several hundred thousand dollars to help solve a substantial problem that, that several of us had an interest in. We're now using that expertise to uh, see if there are other high need communities that that don't have computer access. The, the interesting thing, which I'm, I'm sure everybody can understand is that it's not just that the kids need laptops so they can do homeschooling, but families that don't have any other way to get on the internet, uh, they need it, whether it's to apply for federal or provincial benefits, uh, like the federal wage subsidy, or to uh, just get good current information on how best to respond to COVID-19. So we're, we're using the expertise that United Way had or quickly got in terms of accessing equipment, but also in distribution. We're looking at the needs in uh, some of the indigenous reserves around Edmonton and Métis settlements and other groups that, uh, as we understand it, have even smaller percentage of their families are able to connect on the internet. So as we think about upcoming grants, I'm hoping we can uh, put one together to get some access for First Nations and Métis families around Edmonton. Right. And uh, ECF has like a long history of these collaborations and acting as a convener in the communities to bring uh, organizations together. But also, we have some pretty good relationships with various levels of government. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of the partnerships that are going on uh, around COVID between ECF and uh, government. Well, the first one was, was announced a week and a half or two weeks ago. And that was a matching program by the provincial government intended to encourage people to donate to the main rapid response funds that had already been established in the province. And so they reached out to several United Ways and to several community foundations that they knew already had funds going and offered donors throughout the province an opportunity to have their donations matched. We know historically, as, as does the government, that people respond very well to the thought of, at whatever level they donate, having, having even more effect because someone's matching. So the provincial government has set aside up to $2 million, and I'm sure we'll be able to use it all. That'll be divided up between the eight United Ways and community foundations in all parts of the province and matched proportionally, depending on how much is contributed. I think that's going well. The established uh, COVID-19 funds are receiving donations, and we're all very excited that, that the province has done this first step to encourage Albertans to donate to the COVID-19 response funds. And so how about with the federal government? There were some interesting announcements last week uh, on that front. Yes, the federal government uh, has announced a somewhat different program. It's not a matching program, but it's a, 
a direct grant program. The total is to be $350 million across Canada. It's targeted particularly at the most vulnerable people. Any high need group that is facing homelessness or poverty or food security issues. And that too is to be distributed primarily through United Ways, community foundations, and the Red Cross. And so we are one of the community foundations in Alberta that will be distributing that money. Uh, this is, as you indicated, Andrew, a brand new program set up very quickly uh, we don't have the details yet, but uh, I know uh, people in Ottawa are working hard to get it all together so that money can begin flowing soon. Again, we don't know the precise allocations to our city or our province, but uh, we're imagining it'll, uh, it'll amount to several million dollars, and we're confident that we'll be able to get that out into the community uh, quite quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And community foundations are a great option uh, for that because we do work with so many charities locally. Uh, so being able to know the charitable landscape and the work that the organizations are doing locally, I think is, is very valuable. Uh, and I think is what makes community foundations uh, a pretty solid choice for helping get the money to where it needs to go. That's very true. Uh, we, we make grants to probably 600 charities in an average year. It's interesting because the United Way also has longstanding relationships with a lot of charities, but their work is focused almost entirely in what we call the social services or community services area. It's an important and a large part of the sector, but it's not the whole sector. Whereas community foundations typically work with a much broader area, and we do do a great deal of our work with social service organizations. But we also have intimate relationships with arts organizations and sports and rec organizations and environmental organizations. All of these are, uh, are being affected quite significantly by the pandemic. And we're, we're pleased that we have, have the capacity and indeed the mandate to help some of them as well. An interesting example that, that people may not think of uh, is the arts sector. And certainly uh, there are a number of large arts organizations with facilities and, and large budgets and big programs. And they are certainly affected by the pandemic because so much of their revenue comes from ticket sales and performances. But there are a whole host of small individual artists and individual groups for whom arts is by no means a luxury. It's essentially their employment, their income. And uh, as you can imagine, many of them also have uh, other jobs, but for many of them, those jobs are in the service sector. And so they're not only unemployed artists, they're also unemployed waiters and baristas and other kinds of service workers. So many of them are essentially unemployed now and living on very low or no income. So finding ways to help keep people like that employed is a very significant contribution to the community and and very necessary and, and a very appropriate kind of response to the pandemic. 
fortunately, we have uh, we have excellent partners in that subsector too, and have been uh, working with Edmonton Arts Council on identifying ways to help the arts sector move online where possible and to otherwise help keep Edmontonians employed. We caught up with Sanjay Shahani, Executive Director of Edmonton Arts Council, to find out how they are supporting the arts and artists with funds from the RRF. There are multiple effects of the pandemic on different sectors of our society. The arts are no different. So the effect is multiplied because arts organizations and festivals are not able to produce and present. Artists are not able to get contracts and not able to get opportunities to do their work. And audiences uh, do not have the opportunity to come together uh, and experience something collectively. So it's it's a multiplier effect which has been quite devastating on the arts community and in turn devastating for Edmontonians who want to experience their city as a healthy, vibrant and vital place where people come together and celebrate each other's culture and identity. The EAC in responding to this situation had very quickly decided to create a new program called the Creators Reserve as well as the Digital Art Fund. And so when we created these two programs, the Creators Reserve was there to support artists to do a diverse range of creation activities, whether it was an exploration of an idea or it was just straightforward creation, like writing a play or composing music. We also wanted to make sure that they had, a, they had an opportunity to disseminate the work And so we created the Digital Art Fund, which allows artists to stream their work. There's a range of of disciplines and range of activities where Edmonton artists were ready to put this on online. And so we used the Rapid Response Fund to support both these programs. We're also going to be using a, a portion of the Rapid Response dollars to support Indigenous artists and equity seeking artists in the Creators Reserve Program. It gives artists uh, a sense of hope, it gives them an income, and it sort of makes them feel that even though they're individually uh, doing the work, that they're connected to something bigger. And so it's, um, it's one of the goals of the Edmonton Arts Council to work with the city and to work with the foundation to work with all our partners to make sure that we, we not only survive this pandemic, but when we come back, we come back more resilient and with more strength. So as of this recording, ECF has provided more than $840,000 to more than 30 charities to support the work they're doing in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're, we're pleased about the, we, we often talk about it as 360 granting in that we can help throughout the charitable sector and indeed through much of the nonprofit sector. I mean, one of the things we're, we're trying to do is to be especially prompt in uh, Assessing requests and identifying needs, approving the grants, and then getting getting the checks out. We wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't know what was going on and if we didn't already have relationships with many of these organizations. If we had to start from scratch, tracking down the organization, assessing them, looking at their track record, there's a lot of needs out there, but you also want to be dealing with organizations that can actually meet the needs. Fortunately, because of our ongoing work over the years, we know a lot of these charities already. We know what they're capable of. 
And so it does not take us long at all to approve grants and uh, get the money out. So do you have any sense of what's next for ECF and the COVID-19 Rapid Response Fund? Well, I think we're going to continue. We we continue to get requests, but uh, so far the fund has continued to grow slowly. I think it's been, uh, it's not that the sector doesn't have a whole lot of needs, but for organizations to figure out what they actually really need and then to have the personnel to be able to ask. And we've, we've certainly simplified uh, uh, for the rapid response fund. We, we don't even require applications. We just need some indication of, of what the need is and what they want to do. So we're, we're being careful not to put an extra burden on organizations with lengthy applications. So I'm, I'm pleased with the fact that we're able to get the money out into the community as quickly as possible. Um, you know, somewhere close to half a million dollars in, in not much more than a month. So I think that's good. Uh, at this rate, we'll, we'll have enough for May and maybe the fund will have grown additionally so that we can do something June as well. What we have in the back of our minds is that there will also be the need for longer term recovery, even after, for example, lockdowns and quarantines are passed. And so we're thinking about that. We're making plans. We're talking with people. But as long as we have immediate needs, we want to get the money out there. And I will worry about how we're going to get the next million or whatever we need for that phase when, when we get to there. I think there's, uh, this is not going to be over anytime soon. So we, we do have some runway to figure out, figure out what to do next. I think another uh, piece that may be implied by your question and wh whether it is or not, I'll, I'll speak to it anyway. As, as I think, most people in the community know we're we're not a fundraising organization and we're not very actively fundraising even for the COVID-19 rapid response fund. We're delighted to participate in things like the provincial matching program, but we've limited ourselves to primarily talking with our group of stakeholders, our fund founders, our donors, our family. And they've been very generous, and I'm confident they'll be even more generous in the future. So we're, we're not out there seeking donations. Having said that, anybody who has heard about our Rapid Response Fund and likes the idea of a fund that can be nimble and creative and collaborative and able to respond quickly and get approvals in a day or two and get checks out in a week or two. If you like that, we'd be delighted to receive your contribution. And we've got ways to do that online as well as uh, we're, we're still getting good service from Canada Post, so you can send us a check if you're uh, kind of a retro person like me. Thanks very much to Martin Garber Conrad, CEO here at Edmonton Community Foundation. And thanks to everyone who lent their voice to talk about the important initiatives. We heard from Terry Howe, Food and Production Manager at Meals on Wheels. And Catherine Croston, Executive Director and Chief Curator at the Art Gallery of Alberta. Amanda Thorpe, General Manager at YMCA of Northern Alberta. 
and Sanjay Shahani, Executive Director at Edmonton Arts Council. Hey, we know Sanjay. Yeah, he's joined us for a couple of episodes to talk about arts in Edmonton. Good friend of the show. So listeners, if you'd like to see a full list of the grants that have been made from the COVID-19 Rapid Response Fund, we'll have a link to that in our show notes. The list is updated daily, so you can be in the know on how this fund is helping. And if you're interested in contributing to this fund, we'll have a link for how to do that as well. Again, this initiative was made possible by the generosity and collaboration of our community members, just one of so many examples of what we can achieve together. And we'll also have the links to our upcoming student award deadlines. There are several coming up in May and June. So if you're looking to continue your education, check out our student awards at ecfoundation.org to see if you are eligible for some funding. ECF is continuing to grant from our regular granting streams, such as our community grants. And we'll have the links for how to apply to those as well. Show notes, that's where it's at. Every episode. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to share it with your friends. And your colleagues. Or one of the Daves you know. You know? If you have time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us. And come visit us on Facebook where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul. And Elizabeth Bonking. Until Until next next time. (laughs) (laughs) That was awful. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.